I'm going to do a meditation for two seconds, just to kind of cool us down. Mm -hmm. So, breathe in for four. Hold for two. Breathe out for six. Now scrunch up your shoulders, right to your ears, and bah, it out. Sorry, I didn't let you know I was going to do that one because it's in your ear. Floppy. There we are. That's our little. That was so nice. I love a centering technique. Trini, do you want to take the low notes and I'll do the high ones? Ha na na na. My guest on Fearless today is the professional hairstylist, author, podcaster, comedian, queer eye pop culture icon, and an Emmy nominated television personality, Jonathan Van Ness. Adored for his Yas Queen positivity, and I love that. Slut bitch. What is it? Not slut bitch. Hot slut. Hot slut. Hot slut. Hot slut. It just rolls off the tongue. Jonathan has used this platform to uplift people, encourage acceptance, and be a voice for change on topics ranging from sexual health to self-care and LGBTQI issues and equality. JVN teaches others to believe in their own uniqueness and on the surface is the epitome of competence. But as he revealed in his memoir, Over the Top, it's taken a journey to get to this point in life, surviving trauma, battling demons and finding a way to live into a world where he hasn't always been accepted as mainstream. So, I'm very excited. Welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. All right, darling. I adore you. Well, I did watch lots of your things. I, you know, did the research. And we have a lot in common. Yeah. In terms of, I think, that sort of workaholism, maybe a bit of manicness, passion to make people feel good, a bit of a dark side, addiction, and demons. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> I thought so. So I want to start with when you're in that manic workaholic moment, how do you deal with what happens and what happens? Yeah. My therapist refers to that, or when you ask me that question, it's giving me like window of tolerance. Okay. So it's like this is your window of tolerance that we can typically function within. And when you're within your window of tolerance, like you're not really giving so manic. You're a little more centered. We're a little more grounded. Like you're yeah. in your window of tolerance. Yeah. Then the stresses might happen, whatever it is, and then you're outside of your window of tolerance. Yeah. Um, so when I get outside of my window of tolerance, sometimes it, I notice sooner than other times. Sometimes it's not until afterwards where like I've just like literally left the situation and that's over. And then I was like, oh, I was really triggered or really heightened or maybe I came off way more intensely than I meant to. Or maybe I was like just straight up like rude and I should, you know, wish I could do that again or I need yeah. you know, someone an apology. Sometimes I can feel it coming in the moment and then I can make a better choice. And I think the older that I get, the more and my CEO coach has really helped me with that so much as well. Um, she's helped me just be a better leader because like ultimately I was a full-time hairdresser and then I went from that to like being you know that was like a tiny little baby CEO which was still you know a lot of pressure and I was really proud of that at the time but then you know Queer I came out when I was like 31 and you know now I've like I already had my podcast and my podcast you know was like it's all of a sudden just, you know, reaching like hundreds of thousands of people, yeah. which is like a lot more journalistic integrity and pressure than it was yeah. when I had like 10,000 a week. And, you know, my books and JVN hair and getting curious, the Netflix adaptation, like there's been, you know, things have continued to get busier. So I feel like I've been able to become a better leader in light of the fact my business and my world grew like a gajillion percent in what felt like kind of overnight. It's amazing how much you do at the age you do. I have to say that because it's like it took me to 30 to know what I want to do. Mm. You had that passion really early. 
Like how old were you when you went to work at Avida? Um, I went to hair school when I was 17 and I graduated when I was 18. Okay. From that... No, I lied. That was 18 to 19. Have your horizons changed of what you think you can do? So what did you think the maximum was then? And what do you think the maximum is now? In my comedy set from a couple years ago, but I used to talk about how, like, my main goals for my 20s were, like, to not die um, and, like, never need to ask, like, my parents for money because, like, asking them for, like, financial like, it was, like, way more annoying than just, like, going without. You know, it was like, I never would ask someone for help and I want to not die of, like, an overdose. And so then, you know... I got a lot of healing, a lot of recovery, a lot of therapy, definitely like went in a 12 step route for a while. And then I was like, I think I'm more of like a harm reduction queen. Um, and what? Like harm reduction, like being all the way sober. I was like, oh, as long as I stay away from uppers, like and there's so many paths to healing. And I know there's probably a lot of sponsors that are listening to this part. And they're like, eh. Uh, but for myself, yeah. I really, I found this one 12-step um, that was called, like, Survivors of Abuse, like, Adult Survivors of Abuse. Yeah. And you can, like, make your, like, you make your own, like, bottom line behaviors in this program, like, yeah. with your sponsor. So for me, that was, like, uppers. Like, I just, like, as long as yeah. it's just, like, a little bit of pot or, like, some, like, drinking, like, that wasn't the, and sexual compulsivity was the other thing for me that was, like, a yeah. non-negotiable. But all those things are kind of together and then off track but I did get a lot of healing I was able to get into like a much better relationship with myself and so even when I booked Queer Eye like I didn't think and prior to Queer Eye like it was Gay of Thrones that was like my first little foray yeah. into like entertainment and that was like supposed to be like one episode I didn't even understand what like a web series was or what I remember the first time I was on that set and the first time I heard like sound speeding action and I was like Oh my God, are they serious? This is like really what they say on sets I never knew. Um, but that was meant to be like one episode. And then we yeah. got to work with Alfie Allen like on episode two. And then Funny or Die was like, let's just do this for the whole season. And then at the so time. So it was like that rolling of this has come along and you're thinking, why not? So there was that kind of let's just yeah, say yes. Yeah. That say yes and see what happens. So I feel that's a real say yes and see what happens. Yeah. Can I just go back a second? Because I want to just, because it's. It's like you say something that makes me think, should I say something? Which is like really interesting for me. I want to go back to the definition of recovery. You know, and it's like for anyone listening who has had some sense of feeling an addiction to drugs, to sex, to work, to finance, money, whatever, food, whatever. To me, there used to be 12-step or nothing at all. Do you know what I mean? It was such such an indoctrination. I went to rehab for six months. I went to a halfway house for six months. You know, I started over. I was on like $15 a week for a year. You know, like really like reset age 27. How old were you? 24 and 25. Okay. And then how long do you go to meetings for? Well, I went to meetings for like SCA meetings like first for the first. So probably like 22 to like 27 and also my stepdad, who was, like, just one of the most amazing people in the whole world. Like, he yeah. passed away in 2012. I talk about him so much in my book. But he was sober for 27 years when he died. He was yeah. not a harm reduction king. He was, like, worked the program king. Yeah. Like, I was, like, growing up outside of, like, meetings, like, coloring, coloring books, like, waiting for him to get out. Like, I, like, okay. so I grew up around, So like, you grew up around sobriety. Yeah. And that worked really well for him. But, like, it's a really long story. But, like, it, I just kind of found, I was like, I don't think it's weed. What your recovery, you're saying, is giving you is you like, you have this line and doesn't cross. So what do you do to fill the hole? Because it's filling the hole and we know what that means for yeah. those who aren't in recovery. <laughs> it's about this sense of, like, for me, 
seven, eight, ten years sober, I was like workaholism. I mean, a lot of people think I work really hard now, but I, I was in kindergarten compared to how I was. <laughs> in kind of like that 18-hour a day, not a break for a second, six, seven days a week. It like took over my life. Get it? It's that thing when it takes over your life. Yeah. Okay. And like, you know, when you said this zone, you said at the beginning. Window of tolerance. This window of tolerance. So when it looks at things like that, do you recognize it in the moment? Oh, I try. I feel like the better I am at self-care and like maintaining my sobriety, the less I get out of my window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So the things that I do to fill the hole, like I definitely feel like I still have like impulse buying things that like is not filling the hole like I could make better choices there like sometimes I like to joke that I'm gonna like end up in my mom's basement at this rate because like honey the jewelry the shoes the bags okay, I really can just... we, okay should we talk about compulsive shopping addiction yeah can, can we I, just can I, we just I think I, well do I don't that? but I don't know <sighs> can I tell you what I my thoughts on this right? yeah is that money's meant to be spent and so we should just no spend no oh. no don't take Fuck. the words out of my mouth Damn okay it. no sorry so that I have a complicated relationship with money. I grew up with a, a lot of entitlement. Then suddenly there wasn't much. My relationship with money was that I never felt, let me reward myself. So everything was guilty. Everything I bought was guilty. So, you know, if I kind of then even had the right to reward myself, I got a, like you and I, when we, we probably do this reward ourselves, we get a new contract, we hit a target in our head that we think that's great. And we, so we feel let's go and do it. That's great. And, and we give ourselves permission, but it sort of maybe opens the door to the floodgate of, oh, I'll do it again next week, next week. And I don't know if you identify with any of this and at what stage that fear of financial insecurity comes into your head, whereas outwardly it might be, people might say, well, you're set up for life, but where's your biggest fear around money and about spending, and how do you get fillers on it? You know, I, I definitely notice the thing that resonated with me there the most is that, like, if I'm feeling down, stressed, out of control, and, like, the meditation or, like, the yoga or, like, just sitting with my feeling of discomfort is just not sounding great. Like, mm -hmm. I really don't want to sit with this discomfort right yeah. now. I'd really much rather sit with like a new necklace or a great yeah. bag, um, which actually is an investment if I think <laughs> about it. Um, and so then I, so, but it's like, I notice it. Then after I do it, I don't really feel good about it. And then I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I like my thing, but like, fuck, you know. Still have that feeling. Yeah. And that's also like, I have like my, exactly like the feeling mm -hmm. of discomfort that I had mm -hmm. initially. And then I'm like looking at like, you know, my team, my company, and I'm just like, okay, like, you know, you are the one that has ultimately has got to like do the work to pay mm -hmm. the bills to like mm -hmm. make sure that all of these dreams can continue to take shape. So do I want to be working like 12 and 14 hours to support everyone because I was just being kind of reckless with like my kind of spending money that could have been like much more security money, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of the conversation that yeah, I had. That's, um, yeah, that's, so it's kind of, I think I have room to do better, but I also don't, I don't feel like particularly like out of control with it. Um, I think I'm okay. And typically the things that I do impulse buy that like are in, you know, like the bag or like, the, it's like, girl, there's like, I just like went through a Birkin phase. I like finally found someone at the Hermes store, honey. I got on the list. I finally, I like two, I want two lists. Like I got, I got one store and another store. So I get me some like affordable, affordable Birkins. I'm not buying off the black market of um, first dibs, you know, yeah, they're like yeah, quadruple yeah, yeah. the price. Yeah. And there's really good resale value there. So I feel like there is like a cuter investment on a Birkin than like the market. So like, honestly, if you don't beat it up, which like this one, my cat did scratch in the front. So this is the one that I use all the time because Liza Mianelli had the nerve to attack this because I left it out of my like purse room for five minutes. This okay, fucking cat. So, so I have from my mother an old crocodile one. Okay. <sighs> and then I have, I have a few old ones. So I went to Hermes 
and I have like from the 70s the kind of a chocolate brown one like this. And it, my mother had this lovely dog called Angus and he bit into the metal when he was teething on the gold. So I took it to Amaze and I said, can you repair the strap? And they said, shall we repair the other bit, the bag? And I went, no. Okay, no, because it shouldn't fucking look perfect, Jonathan. Mm. It should look like... I don't give a shit because I love Liza Minnelli and she actually sleeps in that bag. It's like, you know, <laughs> let go of this because that is like, I'm an influencer. And look, I have this bag. I'm... I don't wear it outside like that, but no, just but like for the ones like... that I don't fuck up, I just, it's, that's more of my insecurity complex of like, oh my God, like what if you get canceled tomorrow no, but... and you don't have money? Yeah. So you just need to like okay. keep some of the Birkins really nice in case uh, you need to hawk it on first dibs okay. just in case, like, because I feel irresponsible sometimes. All right, so how do we balance up this thing between visioning our future so it becomes true and putting too much negative energy in of fear? That is, that is the million dollar question. It is. So my therapist says, sometimes when I like catastrophize about like future things, yeah. my therapist will be like, girl, um, you were like sexually abused and then like, you know, got addicted to meth and got HIV. Like maybe both shoes dropped, girl. Like maybe you don't have to wait for another shoe to drop. Cause I'm like, what if something else bad happens? And she's like, yeah. maybe a lot of the fucked up things happened already. And like, because of all the things that you've learned, like if something else does happen, like you're gonna know how to like love yourself through it. And like, you know how to ask for help and you have support. Like yeah. if something's like, why are you like living in fear of that all the time? Yeah. Which I like that. I like I that vibe. That. But at the same time, I think, you know, Maya Angelou said, you gotta like prepare for the worst but hope for the best so like nothing catches you off guard i love your therapist thing i also do like 99 percent of what we worry about doesn't happen so that's our mind leading us down a path when we're just feeling you know and in that moment because you and i give to a lot of other people we want other people to feel the best about themselves but then when i'm stressed out i can be really difficult with other people as well you know, I can really, like, people who work closely with me, who see the worst side of me, I can be challenging. Like, I did, my with my CEO coach last week, this thing called the Declaration of Intention. It's about commitment that I make. So I am a commitment to behave with integrity and balance and da-da-da-da a few other things, especially in times of stress. So to be aware of those other things so they don't make me go, boom, all right. But I think that's my... Real weak point. But what is your weakest point? I think that's definitely a weak point for sure. But I do think I've actually gotten a lot better at it. Just like having like better boundaries with myself and people around me, but like holding them with kindness. Yeah. Um, my CEO coach always talks to me about how like the essence of what you're saying is actually correct. Mm -hmm. Like you are right to be irritated or whatever, but it's like it's your bedside manner of like how you communicate that. Like can you hold yeah. that boundary with kindness? I think... Right now, maybe my biggest weakness is I put so much pressure on myself to fix, like, systemic things that, like, I know I alone can't fix. But like. I feel, like, not to compare myself to, like, a black woman in San Francisco in the 30s. However, like, I live in Texas. Mm -hmm. Like, we've had so many really intense anti-trans bills that have passed the house this year. Yeah. They passed a bill in Florida where like, if a doctor thinks that you look too gay or too queer, like they don't have to treat you if they think that, if they say it like violates their deeply held religious beliefs. But if you've come from a car accident and like your liver's hanging out, like they have to like make sure you don't like code right there and die according to this law, but it's like very vague. And this isn't even like a proposed law. Like this is like this passed the house and the Senate 
and through Governor DeSantis's desk in Florida, um, where they've like codified discrimination based off of someone thinks you look queer, thinks you look trans or, you know, gay. So that's one. They've also, in my home state of Texas, have incentivized the child protective services. Like if a parent at school thinks that some queer child is being like indoctrinated to be queer or like says like that kid's trans or that kid's gender nonconforming, their parents are committing child abuse on this kid. So let's investigate them with child protective services. There was another law in Florida that was just passed that allows the state to take away queer children from their parents if they get any sort of gender affirming care, which can also look like wearing the clothes that you want or a haircut or like acknowledging I mean, someone's I mean, name. I mean, I'm just like, I'm, I'm sitting here with my mouth open because in England, we have a lot of things around trans, but I'd say compared to Texas, we are way ahead of the game. Yeah, I mean, but you're I, also having a, a, a backslide here, but I can't speak to the backslide here the way that I can, you know, in my backyard. But the anti-trans rhetoric to me goes really hand in hand with like, you know, the overturning of like Roe v. Wade. I live in a state where like women can't get an abortion yeah. after six weeks. Kyle, which, does it ever make you want to not live in Texas? It doesn't. It doesn't. Because I feel like the future Sometimes I actually don't feel safe. Like, that scares me. Like, yeah. when I go to dinner in Texas, I don't wear heels. The reason I don't wear heels is in case I need to run. Like, when I go out in Texas, I look for the exits. Like, I never walk into a restaurant or a crowded space. Like, if I'm doing a public engagement, I am always know where the exits are. So I would just take that to fear on what makes you most fearful... That would be quite high up to sink all the time as that place in the place that you live. yeah. But that's, I think, what my biggest weak point is, is that, like, I actually have, like, joy and time and, like, my sense of well-being, like, robbed from me mm -hmm. a lot because, like, I... When I have fans or young people or, you know, their parents or whoever, like I with my platform, I'm so much more like aware of the widespread discrimination and like widespread suffering yeah. of people who like I love and people who look up to me and like I want to fix that stuff right now. And a lot of these things are like five, 10, 15 year commitments to mm -hmm. fix. And I do think that the future of queer rights in the United States, like, is in the south of the United States, like New York and California, not that you should take, you know, your progress for granted, but like most likely you know, with this whole reversal to states' rights, yeah, abortion and queer rights, you know, bodily autonomy is probably going to be pretty safe in these yeah. two states. But in Texas, Florida, Tennessee, you know, with these anti-drag bills, these anti-trans laws, Nebraska, like, but even not even only, like, they have us in North Dakota and South Dakota as well, which, you know, are in the North. But I just think the future of queer rights is really in, like, these more marginalized states where it's yeah. a bigger issue. And I think I have an ability to affect change there in a way that I don't have in other places. Yeah. So by being there... It is, in a way, fearful. And when you go back to Angelou of expect the worst, you know, hope, for the, hope best. for the best, then I totally get where you're sitting and what you're seeing makes you feel it's not tremendous excitement. It's like we have to do this. We have to hover in between this state. I feel like my weakness is like I don't want to my dreams came true also, mm -hmm. like in this time. Mm -hmm. Like and I could like cry thinking about it, but it's like I've worked so hard and I've overcome so much. And I can't, I feel like a lot of times, oh my God, I really would cry. Sometimes I feel like I just can't even enjoy like how far I've come. Yeah. Because there's so much like pain. Um, and I don't want to like look back on this time in my life and be like, wow, girl, you really couldn't even, like you didn't even enjoy it because you were so stressed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I knew that one. I knew that one. So I feel like that's my biggest weakness. Thanks. Uh. Let's just go into that a second. That 
you can't enjoy it because the stress of where it's at is so difficult. Makes it really hard. Mm. Not my cute makeup. I put on mascara today, two layers, and it's not waterproof. I didn't see a cry coming today, Trini. It's not showing, darling. I oh, thank you, Annie. Do you think that if you look at when you're at your most fearless, what do you think you have the power to achieve? When I'm at my most fearless, what do I have the power to achieve? Okay, on a physical level, a full twisting layout. <laughs> um, seriously. Um, it does I don't even know what that means. Well, because I'm a gymnast as well. Oh, yes, I've seen you doing Jesus yes. Christ. So that's like, that is like when I, I feel like on a physical level, like that is like my most like, like virile expression yeah. of okay. fearlessness because yeah. it's like scary and I'm like able to do it. So, so full like, twist workout means you do one somersault with a full twist. And then come down yes. out of the somersault. Yeah. That's insane. Okay, yeah, I like get a, that. That's... So to hurl my 36-year-old, like, you know, six-foot-one body, like, yeah. my old or my old gymnastics coach used to tell me in high school, she was like, I've never seen someone with, like, less natural ability learn how to tumble. Like, you get over <laughs> on sheer determination. Because, <laughs> like, I just, like, wanted to do it so bad. Yeah. But I think I've been thinking a lot about lately, like, instead of trying to, like, change people's opinions and, like, change people's hearts, because... Mm -hmm. Because of the way that we interpret information and the way that we get information, like our opinions are a lot of times like made up quite early. And even once you get the information, it's harder for you to like change your opinion. So if you've mm -hmm. been presented like misinformation or disinformation, for say on years. queer people or gay people, mm -hmm. and you've already made it up in your mind, like they're, you know, I don't trust them. There's something mm -hmm. wrong. Like they're mm -hmm. unnatural. Like they're, you know, scary for children or whatever. It's going to be harder for me. And I don't really want to like waste my time anymore, like trying to convince people to like love and accept. But I do think that there's a lot of people who don't involve themselves in these conversations because they think either their voices don't matter or they think that like their opinion doesn't matter yeah. or it like doesn't affect them. So I feel like when I'm in my most powerful, I'm able, or my most fearless, mm -hmm. I'm able to like, because it's kind of scary having those conversations with like people that you don't know, or even just like using your platform in that mm -hmm. way, because you can mm -hmm. get so much like vitriol. Mm -hmm. But I think like allowing people to find their power and like helping people find their voice, mm -hmm. like, or like undecided people, I feel like that's kind of scary. And I feel like that's, I want to lean more into that. Like, showing more light on spaces that like don't have that much light and getting more people like into the fold. I feel like that's what I'm capable of when do I'm most fearless. Do you think a way of doing that with people who, because I think this is a way that you do do it. Like my, the Trini tribe on Facebook love you so much. Like some of them went to Amsterdam to see you. Yes. You know, yeah. And they were all, the whole stream wasn't about me anymore, uh -huh. darling. It was about you. Like, yeah. Okay. But it was like this whole stream some of those are very classic mindsets, and I'm going to use that as a very general term, but they're just a classic mindset. You know, it maybe is more alien for them to know many trans people, et cetera, et cetera. So they, despite that potential prejudgment, have fallen in love with you. So to me, your biggest asset is that as a person, you are endearing, empathetic, all these things, do things with humor, never fucking judge, and that's what they love. So therefore, by it's like Steve Jobs never said, I'm going to sell you an Apple computer in the golden circle. He said, I'm going to make your life easier. Mm. I think ultimately, we just have to look at everyone as a person, you know, and just like, are they a nice person or are they a not nice person? Am I going to learn from them or are they going to depress me? Yeah. You know, that's like really it. I, yeah. I think that's sometimes what, we need to do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it can be fucking challenging. Um, 
Okay, we're going to do one, which is, we, you sort of answered, but I like people to be really specific. Yeah. So I want you to tell me, when have you been the most scared? Mm, that's a good question. I don't know, I'm having rhetorical fireworks about all the times where I've been really scared. Getting diagnosed with HIV was pretty scary. I don't want to, like, trauma porn, but, yeah, I mean, when I was um, 17, I was... Uh, doing sex work to support my drug habit and I had a much older man take me into a room in his house when these like other three people who I didn't know were going to be there came in and then in this room he pulled a gun out from under his bed from a box and said that he had uh, committed a crime and was like leaving town the next day and I was like three feet from a gun and like this man holding a gun and he was like, you know, he's like, don't worry about this. And I saw, like, there was cash on this nightside table that was the cash that I needed. Like, that was the cash I was getting paid. And we were on, like, the first floor of a building, but not, like, the, like, it was one of those floors where it's, like, not on the ground floor, but it's not a first floor, but mm -hmm. it's, like, you know, a good, like, five, six-foot drop, like, through the window. Mm -hmm. And I realized, like, in the moment that, like, these people in the house and this guy, I was like, this isn't, I just, like, saw my life flash before my eyes, and I knew that this was going to, like, not end okay. Mm. And I was like, well, do I want to get shot with no money, or do I want to get the money? So I, like, lunged for him. I lunged for the money, gave him a little push, took the money. There was this open window with the screen, and I did, like, a full front dive roll out of this window. Also, by at this point, I'm in my underwear because things had already started. But my roommate at the time used to, like, drop me off at my trick's house, and she would wait, like, a block away from me, mm -hmm. like, for me to be done. So, like, I'm, like, screaming out of this house in Tucson, like, in broad daylight. Um, but that was, I mean, I can say it with, like, a little bit of a smile now, but, like, it was one of those times where, like, in my fight or flight or, like, just absolute, like, you know, like, actually thinking I was looking death in the face, like, mm -hmm. my instinct was, like, fight and flight. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like it was, like, yeah. fight, flight. Um, but and what, maybe what you're not saying as well is it's the middle of the day, they're having sex, I'm presuming people are stoned. I no, they're on meth. On, that's what I mean. Yeah. They're like on drugs and a gun in the hand and sort of not giving a shit. Yes. That, I, was that that kind of... Because I'm thinking of when you do the decision, you've got to have got stage where they're at a stage of don't give a shit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, well, I mean, I thought that guy was going to do something to me and I thought that the people that had come to that house were like going to get rid of whatever he had done. Like, I mean, I had, like, money in my bag. Like, I had, you know, because, like, yeah. like, you have, like, a little bag with, like, condoms and lube and, like, your things and, like, you know, your little, like, trick bag. Yeah. And um, I was, like, I just thought I was an absolute fully goner. That was, like, the most scared, like, acutely for my life. Yeah. That's and I think HIV, though. Different kind of fear. Yeah, but pretty, like, cry so hard you get a nosebleed on the way home. Like, real, like, what is my future? Like... But I talk about an over-the-top, like, I found out at Planned Parenthood, but then when you had, like, your first appointment, like, with a doctor, like, later, remember the first thing I asked her was, um, can I live to be 50? Or, like, I want to, like, I, will I live to be 50? And she was like, oh. <laughs> she was like, I'll keep you alive long enough to die of a heart attack or cancer like everybody else. She was Filipino, and she had, like, a little baby accent. And my mom had, like, begged to come with me to this doctor's mm -hmm. appointment. What year is this? This is 2012. And my stepdad had, like, just died of cancer. So, like, my mom's just, like, lost the love of her life. She's just grieving. I mean, we're all mm -hmm. grieving, but she's really grieving. Mm -hmm. And when I found out I was positive and I had to go to this, like, you know, first real appointment after the initial positive, my mom was like, I want to come with you. I want to hear what the doctor said. 
because like I know how to advocate like I know what questions we need to ask and I was like if you come like that's really nice if you come but just like don't make a scene because mm -hmm. I need to like focus and I need to like take notes and stuff because it's like a whole thing like signing up for the healthcare. And so I'm in the room and I asked that question for her. I was like, can I live to be, or I think I said, can I live to be 75? I don't think I said 50. And then she ended up telling me that the life expectancy from when you're diagnosed is 50 to 75 years now. And I was like, wow, that's so much. And I was like, I'm already 25. Like, am I really gonna be 100 anyway? Like HIV or not, like what are the chances? But when she said the whole like, I'll keep you alive long enough to die of a heart mm. attack or cancer like everyone else, I heard this thud and I turned around next to me and my mom had like literally slid out of her chair like a fish. Like it just like slid, it was like sobbing on the ground. But also the relief because there's like, you know, I've had a lot of people in my life with HIV and my best girlfriend died um, actually. I'm so it was sorry. Like in the 80s, so it wasn't a good time for HIV. And it's very, even though the education has got so much better, the Stick. word, the association seeing the history of how many people have died that's like and there's just like a lot of yeah. like stigma and still and like cruelty and like just like judgment like weirdness around it but I, that that story just always like kind of makes me laugh because like i was so scared like in that room asking yeah. those questions with that doctor and my mom just like flopping out of her chair like a fish onto the ground like so, yeah. like just like chortle sobbing like it she looked so ridiculous and my mom's so cute but it yeah. like it did lighten the mood i was like and because when my mom is naughty i call her her mom's name her name was Anne, my grandma so my mom's like being extra i call her Anne. so i was like Anne, i was like you said you weren't going to make a scene like get your ass to the lobby like i gotta ask her questions and you're like this isn't about you right now god my you're like so my funny. daughter she does that too and also my mother's called Fucking Anne. It was really? called Anne. Yeah. So it's oh my just God. So, really... you're, so your daughter yeah. will call you Anne when Anne, you're being naughty? Anne. Are we being like Anne today? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I love just, that. That is hilarious. You had a passion start, your hair care line. And you had the passion from all the time you've worked in the hair care industry. But like, what was your vision? First of all, of how big it could get. And did you know it's A to Z of what you wanted it to be? Tell me about that. No. Because um, also I feel like, and maybe I should get better about this, like visualizing like an end goal. But I feel like I often like don't do that. I feel like I have more of an ethos of like trying to do my best like right now. Yeah. And in launching JV in here, it was like, you know, obviously I knew that end goal was like launching a line, but I yeah. didn't know like you know, how successful or like numbers. Like I, I was really more focused on like, cause I, I really am a hairdresser first. Yeah. And I remember like before JVN hair, like just in my twenties, like if something was like clean or not clean, like I didn't really care if it worked. Mm -hmm. Like I would like put shellac on your fucking head if I needed to, if like that was the look I was trying to achieve to like yeah. create some slick bun. Like I, I wasn't like so much of a clean queen, although I was with skincare mm -hmm. then, cause I just thought that was like interesting. And I, because of my like entry into the beauty industry through Aveda, I was always like very ingredient interested. And yeah. like, I love Aveda's like storytelling. And I also yeah. believe in that. Like I believe in that, like when we know where our ingredients are sourced and we know where we where they come from, I do believe that we get better results because like nature is very healing and there is a lot of like mm -hmm. really incredible resources yeah. in nature and in science that comes together to make these really interesting formulas so i, I really like that always was a, a cool thing for me but with jvn hair some of my really initial inspiration was is that like i hate how confusing hair care is like well if my hair is like fine or my hair is coily or like everyone's hair is going to be like a little bit different, mm -hmm. but there are like guiding principles, but mm -hmm. I feel like there's not a lot of like absolutes and especially with like hair types. Yeah. Hair is hair is hair. And like my first- um, But is hair is hair is hair? Because I think there's young hair, then there's 
I, I okay. And that that's I'd I, love something for aging hair. Uh, the, okay, so, well, Shua Moore had like an amazing like line for mature hair. It was called Prime Plenish. But but let's even talk about that. Okay. So that's what I mean when I say that everybody's hair is going to be a little bit different, like yeah. based off where they are in life. Yeah. Age has to do with that. The quality of your water has to do with that. Yeah. How often you wash your hair has to do with mm -hmm. that. If you sleep with your hair up or down, if you color your hair, mm -hmm. if there's any, how often you heat style your hair, if you use heat protectant. Mm -hmm. Another thing I've like encountered a lot in my career is like, when someone's in their 20s, what you can do to your hair as far as like highlights, not using heat protectant, mm -hmm. you know, sleeping with your hair down and it still looks cute. Yeah. Like that all changes as we get older. So that is absolutely true. Yeah. However, like straight hair is not pathologically different from coily hair. So as to say, it's like when I did hair in hair school at the Evade Institute, Minneapolis, we had this amazing textured hair teacher named Heather, and she was this amazing black woman, and I loved her so much. But if you imagine, you know, in Minnesota, there is a huge Somali population in Minneapolis. There's a lot of Somalian refugees. Mm -hmm. And there's also just a lot of, like, black people. There's a lot of Latino people. There's, like, a lot of people who have, like, multiple races. So there's just, like, a lot of textured hair. It's, like, mm -hmm. not all, like, you know, white people with, like, fine hair yeah. in Minnesota. So... If you imagine like you and the the way Aveda works is like you don't start doing textured hair until like the phase of like beta one. So like intro, intro two, alpha one, alpha two, like you're doing like just men and women, but you're not doing textured hair yet. Mm -hmm. You're not doing barber fades. You're not mm -hmm. doing like relaxers, perms. You're like not doing people who have like textured hair. Mm -hmm. And if you are, it's because there's like an overflow and it's like not going to be that cute because like mm -hmm. you haven't learned that yet. Mm -hmm. But Heather's whole thing when we like when you're sitting in her class the first day, she would say like hair is hair is hair. Even even if the hair is coily and that person wants a silk press or like a blowout, you're like it might take like one extra or two extra steps. Like maybe you're gonna have to like mold mm -hmm. their hairline, like you know, do something like with like the edges, mold the edges down, put a little strip around their hair, put them in a dryer, and then you're just gonna blow dry the rest of their hair as you would with like any curly hair. And yeah, you might need to like after the round brushing, like you might not get it as smooth as like someone who has like hair like yours or mine, mm -hmm. but then we're just gonna set it with a curling iron or a bumper iron. Mm -hmm. Like it might be like an extra process or two, mm -hmm. but like we shouldn't pathologize someone's hair as being like, oh, yours is really hard to work with or yours yeah. is really hard to manage. And we certainly should know how to do all hair types, like when you're going to hair school, like you shouldn't really ever have someone who has a different hair type and be like, I don't know how to do your hair type. So Heather yeah. was really good about that. Yeah. But she was really drove into us that like, our hair isn't like that pathologically different. Mm -hmm. Like someone whose hair is... Which is why you don't then do shampoos for different hair types. I do it for hair goals. You do it for hair goals. So what are your hair goals? More strength, more moisture, hydration, mm -hmm. more smoothness. Mm -hmm. um, that's all kind of within nurture. Mm -hmm. That more strength is undamaged. And then mm -hmm. in body is when you want more volume or more fullness. Okay. All right. So it's like, I want the goal for my hair. Yes. And you can mix and match within there for yeah. shampoos and conditioners. Like okay. if you want more body and volume, but your hair is kind of cracking a little bit because you've got some highlights or... Yeah. You can then a little do bit... like a lot of moisture yes. afterwards. So when you look at what you want to do, like how many heads do you treat right now? Like how many people use JVN hair? Yeah. Oh my God. I've never... Where's Teresa? Where's our GM? But that's, that's something... That's a question. That's something like I know a million people use Trini London. Okay. I think I might shit my pants if I knew that number. But why the fuck do you say that? It's like, doesn't it feel... Well, no, why do you answer that? It feels so overwhelming. Isn't that what you want? Yeah. So? Like, sometimes with my success, like, I feel like if I stop too long to, like, look at how good it is or how cool it is, that, like, it kind of goes back to my biggest weakness thing. 
I almost feel like it would like incapacitate me or like overwhelm me or like, which I know that I'm stronger than that. And I know my centered self can sit with it, but I don't want to be like a dumb cocky bitch. And I don't want to like rest on where I am. I also find it really irritating when not like, I mean, I love hearing your stats, like tell me all the stats, but like, like on our what like it, it like it was saying like it's like you know there's a bottle of air dry cream sold every two minutes like even that I'm just like it's just like not why I do it what drives me is like getting more people into like loving their hair embracing their hair I giving know them, like, but doesn't that then qualify that on your mission to get more people to love your hair it's like if next year two million people have done that versus one I would be oh my god I'm I'm on my mission. Working. I'm on my mission. It's not a question of, look how much I've sold. It's not to do with that, that stat. It's to do with... So I think it's... Then that thing of, I better not ruin the handbag, from that perspective, is like, get Lisa Marie or Marie Antoinette <laughs> or whatever the fuck the cat's lovely name is, <laughs> to scratch as many bags as you like. And you can feel you inherited them from your... Anne, okay? <laughs> but it's like... It's like just... I'm going to suggest to you think about the because it made me feel more secure. Yeah, it made me feel yeah, more and secure. And also, it will make you feel you're on your because we have a mixture of. I have a mixture of. I want to own my own home. I still don't own a home. Okay, I'm 59 and I don't own a home because I put everything on the business. All right, so I have something. I'd love to own my own home. It sounds so pathetically repetitive. No, it doesn't. It's amazing. It. Like, no, but it's like most people at 50 own their own home. Okay, or they rent for life if they live in France. That's what happens there. <laughs> but you know, it's like that. So. So therefore, that's one thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I okay. keep laughing from the beginning when we were talking about hot slut. And you were like, it's like slut bitch. Like, what is that? <laughs> I keep having right. intrusive thought of you saying that was <laughs> so funny. It. It's like slut it. bitch. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. So funny. Uh, You're fucking hysterical. I love it so much. I can't stand <laughs> okay, it. We're going back on track. Sorry. Oh, okay, back on track. Now I've lost the bloody trap. But I, all I want you to do is like, it's that thing of... Don't be afraid. Like, I'm not afraid of numbers anywhere else. Like, I look at my analytics, like, in every other area. I think... It's weird for me with hair because, like, I also feel like I really identify, like, as an artist mm. when it comes to hair. Mm. Like, I really like the creative. I like but the, But do like... you lose your artistry to know that? No, but I think it's just, like, you know how, like, I think one of the symptoms or, like, things of ADHD is, like, which I totally have diagnosed. It's, like, if I'm not naturally, like, interested in that aspect of something, like, getting me to be is, like... Okay. I'm, like, ugh! Yeah. Like, then, I would rather yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. I want to style the hair. I want to talk about the yeah. formulas. I yeah. want to, like, get, I want to cast the shoot. I want to, like, yeah. show you how to... Like, I've been, ever since I saw you on your natural curly hair journey, I have been, like, literally, I've been this close to sending you, like, four or five-minute videos where I'm, like, okay, you could do this, you could do this. You could okay, do, like, you got to do it. At like, the end I, of this, can we do this? Okay, yes. I get I get where you're coming from. Okay, we're going to do now the bit of advice. Oh, okay. So there's women out there who do hopefully listen to this podcast because they want to pick up tips. They want to understand, not women, people, sorry. Yeah. That's like really like, I have lots of, and I have lots of men who say I go to bed with you every night oh, because their wives are listening sweet. to it or their partners listening to it. Yeah. It's a very nice little line. Sidebar, um, you really need to do, a, you should probably do like a sleepy time podcast as well. Like you have the most beautiful, perfect voice of all time. <laughs> like if you just, have you ever listened to those sleep apps where people read you stories? I love calm. Girl, yeah. why don't you like? You need to be the like yeah. a new fucking face of like the Trini goddamn. Okay, and not this is too. Like, your conversations are too interesting to go to sleep to like in this <laughs> regard. But like if you did one, or just like sure reading like really. old school stories, okay, I'll take that on board. But wherever the manager okay. is. But let's go back to this thing. Advice. So people are listening and they're thinking, okay, what can I pick up from Jonathan? What's that little nugget of wisdom? I'm not putting you on the spot here, but what are things that you know help you feel fearless? Um, it's such a hard question, actually. 
Because the truth is, is that I do have fear mm -hmm. around things like we haven't even talked about. And I think that like anyone who says that they like are never fearful mm -hmm. about something, mm -hmm. like I guess I would question like the authenticity or like the relationship that they have to their voice. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of us are going to have some fear around something. For sure. And I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying like... No, 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 I know. You know, just that what are those things of that help you feel fearless? Like when you feel the most fear, how do you... Yeah, I think it's like it's like trusting in my relationship with myself. And that's what my therapist talks to me about a lot is that like I have been able to sit and recover and grow through so many setbacks and through so many situations that whatever I am afraid about, um, whatever is like plaguing me in that moment, like I know that I'm strong enough like, I know I can trust myself mm -hmm. to sit with that. Mm -hmm. And even in the moments when I'm not strong enough, I know that I have, like, trusted people who I can go to. Yeah. Um. But it's interesting because, like, I usually am able to, like, that existential fear of, like, when my show, got, when Getting Curious got canceled on Netflix, I was, like, there was three days because it was just, like, my worst fear. I was, like, I don't want to mm -hmm. have my show canceled after one season. Like, it was just, like, my biggest fear. And it was, like, the first time I got to, like, EP my own project. And mm -hmm. I had, like, just every card, like, honestly, was stacked against us from, like, COVID, lack of vaccines, mm -hmm. mandatory quarantining for, like, all guests. Like, I mean, Getting Curious was originally supposed to be, like, a travel show that, like, ended up having to get shot, like, in yeah. Manhattan. Our whole budget got, like, completely just, like, fucked on having to, like, COVID test everyone and their mom. Mm -hmm. Like, to the tune, I mean, every COVID COVID test you had to do like three over 10 days with like every single guest so just the show mm. that I was able to make and the show that I pitched and the time when I made it was like just never what I wanted and I there was so much pressure I was like I hope like our crew doesn't no one like kills their grandma because I wanted to learn about figure skating and like they got COVID or like you know gender what of my six episodes you know so just yeah. like so much pressure yeah. and it was like not how I really wanted it to go and I remember saying to myself all the time when I was filming it I was like as long as I get a second season it'll be okay mm -hmm. and then it was unceremoniously canceled just like biggest fear yeah. risked my life to make this show put all these other people's well-being on the line yeah because i wanted this opportunity to like make mm -hmm. my own show and it just was like did not get where i needed it to get mm -hmm. and like there was three days of just like gut-wrenching wake up at like 11 p.m one in the morning three in the morning five in the morning like holding my pillow so tight i mean just like crying like just like yeah. crying like my stepdad just died like it was yeah. just one of my biggest professional disappointments ever mm -hmm. and i remember thinking when i said like if I don't get a second season, like I was like, it'll just be the worst thing that could ever happen. And then when it happened, I was like, I still had to get up and do my JV and hair photo shoot. I remember yeah. we're coming up blowout milk at the time. That was like the day that I found out, like doing this one photo shoot where I had to like be giving you glamour. I was doing mm -hmm. tutorials. I was like doing all this stuff that like I really just wanted to crawl into a hole and like cry for like 12 days. Um, but I didn't have time. And I was like researching for my podcast and I was like doing all of these other things that like I just, when it was, once the dust had kind of settled, I was like, oh, you are so strong. Mm -hmm. Like, and then I needed to like, and obviously I love the boys on Queer Eye, so they're not who decides like if something gets canceled or not, but like going back on a Netflix show after like it got, you know, your baby got just like fucking yeah. annihilated and then going and giving your best and being professional and being on mm -hmm. time and being happy to be there and giving your all to these heroes, like which I do with the, just as big of a heart as yeah. I did on first season. Yeah. Like I'm just as engaged now as I like always have been. Yeah. And like I was able to sit with like my biggest fear and like my biggest disappointment mm -hmm. and I didn't hurt myself. I didn't relapse. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I mean, maybe I bought a few extra rings. Maybe I made some, you know, questionable financial decisions but ultimately you know i did pretty good and i'm gonna have more opportunities to make more tv shows and i think okay. it made me a better producer i think it made me better talent i think yeah. it made me a better writer it made me better everything because we learn when we fail so your biggest fear materialized 
you took to your bed, you got the feelings out because I think suppressing the feelings and pretending it's not happening. So you did have that moment, I think, of cathartism. But equally, you realise, not the show must go on, but I also have other shit in my life. It's not like, it's not like there's nothing there. You know, it's like there are always other things. So, and other things that I loved. Yeah. Like, I loved JV and anyone out there, yeah. too, there might, even if it's like, I lost my job, what are the other things that you can imagine in it? Like, it means I can see my kids more. It means I can, you know, I don't know. What my friend Alok tells me and told me a lot about that time and tells me every time I have a setback, they always say to me, I love Alok so much. And if you don't know mm. Alok, and if you, you should really get to know Alok. Okay. They are... I think, like, one of the most foremost, like, thought leaders, comedians, writers, performers, comedians, actors of, like, my generation. Like, they've taught me so much about my worldview, and I just would not be who I am what without them. What are they them. called? Alok. Yeah, okay. A-L-O-K. But they say, you know, you need to go, or, like, how can you go from why is this happening to me to why is this happening for me? Mm-hmm. Why is this happening to me? To why is this happening for me? Like, what am I meant to learn from this? So good. And that's mm-hmm. that paradigm shift has really helped me grow so much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's such a good one. I love that one. Instead of why is this happening to me to why is this happening for me? And that's a person who that's introduced really me good. to my CEO coach because that's their okay. CEO coach. Fantastic. So it's really giving that's us good. a that's good a really, healing over I like here. that nugget. I think that's an exceptionally good nugget. In the meantime, I just need to see your rings. Because do you have a tanzanite or is that an amethyst? Tanzanite. You know, that was my um, engagement ring. I had it stolen. I know. Okay, but wait, look at this. Yeah. Jelly opal. Okay, let's get back to the main event. Jelly opal. But I hope you're born in October, November. No, I just am really obsessed with opals. No, but you can't. You've got to be a Scorpio. Only my daughter can wear opals. I don't believe in that. I'm really funny about that opalness. I'm non-binary and I'm queer. Yeah, but sorry, those are not excuses for wearing opals. I'm also HIV positive and I read the opals. I'm also HIV positive. No, it's not good enough yet. Listen to me. Yeah. I read online that opals have blood cleansing properties. But most importantly. And I'll never know if I didn't buy it. No, it's just really gorgeous. It's so good, right? (laughs) Have you ever seen like... It's so beautiful. It is like my favorite thing I've ever had in my. And are those mini marquisite diamonds around it? Yeah, there's little diamonds around it. But you know what I want to do is I want to double layer. it. I oh my god, layer. I love layering. You just made my vagina clench so hot, I mean, darling. Sorry, that you are a woman after my own that's heart. That's a better ring. That is so hot, Trini. How do you handle being like I so attractive all the time? I wish I hadn't met you today. I wish I hadn't met you because I thought it was Prada, and now it's going to be jewelry. I've never been like jewelry has been for me forbidden. All right, I had all my jewelry stolen. Like no, everything, don't everything. Say so I literally, that. I just have these Tiffany cups. That's all I have. And and um, I'm really going through my jewelry phase right okay. now. So uh, we have to end this conversation now because oh. I'm scared I'm going to become a. I'll know, send you the Irene Newworth link. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, the first time we met, I was, we were both in a sort of probably manic phase, and you were on this roll of, in 40 minutes, I've got to tell you X, Y, and Z kind of thing, and you were so focused, and I was so impressed by how you could get so much in about the product in so short a period of time. I'm so passionate about it too. Yeah, you're so passionate. And that passion then gives you access to remembering more. But I think what I enjoyed very much this time because I got to know you in a bit more womb-like of a situation. And thank you for opening up and being vulnerable. And it was just an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you. So 
what I do know more than anything else is Jonathan is going to make me broke. I know it because he's introduced me to a new addiction. There we are both recovering addicts and he is so in that bloody jewellery like I'm in clothing. But my God, he's just going to help me transfer my addiction. Um, and those, the rings, I cannot quite describe to you how gorgeous they are. I wanted every single one. But there was a lot I learned today and there was a lot of unexpectedness in our conversation. And I... I loved how Jonathan talked about this window of tolerance that we have, you know, and how we manage our fear and our anxiety. I'm going to take that away of just being the best you can be, not giving yourself such a high benchmark sometimes that you can never achieve that place. Also, and this is probably from, I identify with it most because I feel this too, is a lot of the fucked up things have already happened in life. And I feel Jonathan went through a tremendous amount when, you know, addiction was also at the centre of his life. And the way he described, you know, being in that room and maybe somebody was about to shoot him was like I was, my mouth was open all the way through. I was like, oh my God, this is a really difficult situation. And a lot can happen. So we can get to a stage in our life, I think, where we think the worst has happened. And I do feel that I identify with that. But also there's a weight to how far you've come and how much you enjoy that and that sense of the responsibility you still have. So I, I, I did feel from him that sense of responsibility for being that spokesperson for LGBTQI+, and it weighs heavily on him and he embraces it and loves it and loves to be that spokesperson. But it's, a, it's also a responsibility and it's how you get the balance between having the responsibility and really just enjoying how far you've come and celebrating it. So I think he's got so many things to celebrate in his life and I adore talking to him and I discovered somebody that I didn't expect to get to know from the way that I've seen him on his social, which is generally far more lighthearted and fun. I hope you enjoyed listening and we'll catch up again soon. 